Hey everyone, welcome back to our next study in the encounter. Today we are working on January 31st, 2021. This is lesson number nine in this book. Um, and it is Luke 6, Lord of the Sabbath. Before we jump into our study today, just a reminder, February 7th is Denominational Sunday. In the back of your encounter, there's some excellent resources that are available at our store. Please check those out. Also wanted to highlight today something new. Um, Nathan Wheeler is our youth and young adult coordinator at the Denomination and he has started uh, producing some music, working with some great people. You can check out his new music at nathanwheelermemphis.bandcamp.com. That's all one word, nathanwheelermemphis.bandcamp.com. And don't forget Logan's Monday Morning Megaphone and my bi-weekly devotional on YouTube. Welcome to my porch. All right. I think that's everything that we wanted to talk about today. So... Let's have the prayer for illumination and get into our study. Startle us, O oh God, with your truth and open our hearts and our minds to your wondrous love. Speak your word to us. Silence in us any voice but your own and be with us now as we turn our attention, our minds, and our hearts to you. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. What a great way to start this lesson. That was a beautiful, beautiful prayer. So today we have Logan and Chris with us again. Our scripture selection is Luke chapter 6 verses 1 through 16. And our memory verse is Luke 6 verse 5, which says, Then he said to them, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, now there's Chris. Another small one, another easy one to remember. <laughs> Chris, you were our author this week. Uh, what was going on with this? That's a great memory verse. We've been talking about the Sabbath quite a bit. I think at my um, congregations, it's come up frequently in conversation. So this is a great place to, to head off on the end of January. What were you thinking? Where were you going? Um, so um, just how sometimes we can let rules and regulations get in the way of either doing ministry or having the right heart toward other people. Uh, that's I don't know, hypocrisy, maybe even the unintentional hypocrisy that happens. Um, that's what was going on with Jesus and the Pharisees when it came to the Sabbath. And so that's what I wanted to get out. And so I, I do like the introduction today. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite stories that I've read and I think it illustrates kind of what I, what I wanted to go with. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I love the story. It's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then what really jumped out of the story for you, Logan? Oh, just the, the very last part of it, you know, they, they were looking at the, at the one, at the one priest pastor and they said, you know, you're, you're a Christian and you, you drink. And he said, well, you know, I don't drink typically, but someone had to be a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it has to do with that discussion question there at the beginning. Like if, yeah, what's Becky, if you want to read that, then maybe I can yeah. comment a little bit more. This is our discussion question for the week that we're going to put out. Um, so please make sure you're commenting on that. Um, but it says, what's the difference between following the letter of the law and following the spirit of the law, which is more important to follow? 
Well, I can already tell you this much. We're going to hear it from the teetotalers this week. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's one of those things to where I think you do both if you, but I mean, the, the intent of a law is, is why it was written. Right. And so mm-hmm. like, if you're this, we're coming up on tax season and there's going to be plenty of opportunities for people to skirt this or skirt that and, and do so, you know, <laughs> legally or whatnot, but then maybe, you know, where do you come down ethically on things or, um, like with this particular illustration, it was the point of it was to show hospitality and it was to show support. Right. And so we let, you know, these two other pastors let their, um, you know, their righteousness, which is good. Like, I don't want to knock somebody for following what they think's right. Uh, but at the same time, it broke the fellowship, the support and the, and the, and so anyway. Um, and I think that's the difference. The letter of the law uh, you can always skirt around. That was the thing about the Pharisees. They could always point to their mm-hmm. righteousness because they checked off a box. But then it was also the prophets that said, yeah, but you're terrible people. Stop. Right. And that's kind right. of where we're at. And so there you go. That's where I was headed mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. So my great grandmother, um, God rest her soul, lovely God fearing woman passed away about 10 years ago. She, uh, in her earlier days, she thought games like board games and dice and anything involving that, she thought that was sinful, like playing cards were sinful. She thought that was an open door to the to demonic stuff right there. And so my grandpa couldn't bring dice in the house or playing cards in the house or anything. And then as she got older into her 80s, she was at the bingo hall every Tuesday night. And... <laughs> It was crazy because my grandpa was she just, was my grandpa was like mad because he was like, this woman raised me to hate dice and playing cards. And now she's playing bingo. And she was probably <laughs> looking for fellowship. She was looking right. For, right. Like, and so, you know, like I said, people have their things and they have their ideals and I, I wouldn't want anybody to get knocked off of their ideals and right. what they think God wants them to do. But at the same time, don't destroy people because. Right. You, impose something on them anyway i think we do this a lot in our congregations i mean if you think about the fact that you know we're a worldwide denomination we have churches all over the place and they all don't look like you know we're fairly solidly middle of the united states people here um but not all of our denominations worship like our congregations do and there are times you know that I've run into people that are like, well, we can't, can't do that in service. You, you know, you can't have liturgical dancers come in. You can't have uh, extra singer, you know, whatever, whatever it happens to be. Well, why not? Well, cause that's not the way we do it. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, but that's how they feel the presence of God. And that's how um, they hear from God. And so, you know, Let's not be too, too strict on our, our judgment there. Um, you know, Chris, last year we went to APSI, which uh, for those of you that don't know what APSI is, it's the, I'm going to forget the acronym. It's the Association, Ameri- of, Presbyterian Association of Presbyterian Christian Educators. Yes. Okay. Thank you. And last year it was all about art and worship. And, and what they did was showed us different ways to utilize art into worship. And then even the fall before it symposium, um, I think it was Brother Drew Gray that taught the class on 
um, different styles. Like there's like four different ways that we worship. Um, and some people, the liturgy is incredibly important in how they see God. Um, some people, it's the kind of the rote routine and some people it's the artistry. Um, and, and that's okay. And when we get so stuck in our one way of worshiping and we force that on other people, I think that's when we kind of, you're going back to the whole letter of the law versus the spirit of the law, kind of a concept where we're um, not fellowshipping with others because they do it a little different. I'll give you one quick example because I don't want to pull this out too long on this. But uh, so one of the things that we have within our church with our confession of faith, Cumberland Presbyterians, the presbytery owns the property, right? And so that's fine in America, but we have some churches in Hong Kong and, and churches aren't allowed to own their own property uh, for various and sundry reasons and probably getting worse by the day. But so one of the things that we have to struggle with uh, is to honor the intent, which is that collection, you know, that uh, presbyterial connection that we have, this fellowship that we have with our churches. That's the symbol of it. The presbytery owns the property, not the individual church, as opposed to like Baptist or whatnot. But how do we honor that? And how can the Hong Kong churches or churches with other governments and other lands where you're not allowed, like an outside force can't own the property? How do you do that? And that's one of the struggles that the missions ministry team has. Oh. How do you honor the, the law or the purpose behind the law, but yeah. then still do ministry? I mean, so that, so that's just one other aspect I wanted to throw out there because it's interesting. That well, is interesting. And there's, in, in, when it comes to worship there uh, in the reformed world, there is a debate uh, between what is called the regulative principle of worship and the normative principle of worship. Uh, the people who advocate for the regulative principle of worship would say that only things that are commanded in scripture are allowed in worship, you know, like singing, praying, preaching, mm -hmm. that's, that's the basics of it. Uh, and then the, those who advocate for the normative principle of worship would say only those things, uh, we can do anything we want in worship, but we can't do the only things we can't do are those things that are forbidden. Uh, and so you've got to find a healthy place between somewhere between the mm -hmm. regulative principle and the normative principle. Now, whether we realize it or not, as Cumberland Presbyterians, we would probably embrace the normative principle of worship. Like, uh, for example, you know, you mentioned liturgical dancers and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some churches that do that and whatever. Um, but that's that's one of that's it's not exactly forbidden in Scripture. So it's OK. Mm -hmm. uh, now, a regulative principle guy would look at that and say, well, that's there's nowhere in Scripture where that's commanded. So we shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you got to find it. you got to find a good, healthy balance. And I'm sure me or right. Chris, one can come up with uh, resources on the uh regulative principle and normative principle if y'all are interested in looking into that yeah. mm -hmm. that's why they church there's actually there's presbyterian churches that don't use hymnals they'll only use the psalms and they also won't use pianos much like the church of christ because it's not found in the new testament you know mm -hmm. using the psalms is, but not yep. using necessarily other music so yeah. right huh. okay exploring the scripture um, historical and contextual setting yeah, so in this section, I just wanted to talk about what, you know, every group has their distinctives, right? And it is the goal of a group to actually keep your distinctives. This is, this is very hard for us to think about in today's culture right now because um, there's a push to, 
to do away with differences, but that's just not how humanity works most of the time. And so um, one of the things that the Jews did, obviously, was to say, we're distinct from everyone else. Now, again, it, it wasn't for the purpose of saying we're better or that, you know, you're, you're trash because we are distinctive. It was to say that we're following this way in the hopes that we become better, right? And so one of them was uh, the belief in one God, right? That separated them from, from everybody else. The second one was the, um, like, circumcision makes no sense outside of a religious calling, right? Like, who thought that one up, right? Who knows? <laughs> Whatever. You can look. There's all kinds of reasons why circumcision might have been practiced and what the benefits were and all that good jazz. But just on the whole, it's counterintuitive just to say, here's a baby, let's cut off some skin, right? So, like, <laughs> right. Um, you just don't do that, yeah, like even in the book of Acts, Paul had Paul had to circumcise Timothy, right? So that he could, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, can you imagine if you had to do that if you were going into ministry now? Right. It's like I mean, it's you like know. your pastor or your presbytery is like, all right, come into my office, we'll do this. Get yeah, you ready let's for get ministry. this done. <laughs> so, but it was a distinctive that was important, and it did have some symbolism, and they wanted to keep it, and it was their way of saying we're we're going to stay pure to the call of God in some way, shape, or form. Right. And the third thing, which which is what our subject is today, and it. And I know that there's still more study to be done on the Sabbath because, again, this is completely counterintuitive. There was no, there was no other culture that connected days and times to the acts of God in creation. It was always by moon or something else or whatnot. But, but specifically, days were carved out based on the activities of God or whatnot. And then the most amazing still, I think, uh, contribution to Judaism and to all of world religions or whatnot is the Sabbath day and the Sabbath day grew in its theology or whatnot. But even at the very beginning, the Sabbath was this symbol of communion with God and all of creation and, and humans were the crowning act of that, uh, that and the Sabbath, just absolutely an amazing thing. And then the last thing I'll say is then because it was so special, uh, the Jewish folks began to create rules that took away from the purpose in trying to save it and preserve it. It kind of took away mm -hmm. from the purpose of, yeah. of the Sabbath. And I'll be done talking now. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> the, the quote, uh, one of the quotes that I really love here is where uh, this gentleman, I guess, was talking about the beauty of the Sabbath. Uh, and and uh, he said, the Sabbath is a reminder of the two worlds, this world mm -hmm. and the world to come. It is an example of both worlds. For Sabbath is joy, holiness, and rest. Joy is part of this world. Holiness and rest are something of the world to come. Mm -hmm. And as you said, uh, eventually Jews got away from the beauty of the Sabbath and they started adding, adding their own rules and regulations, uh, hoping to preserve it, but they ended up corrupting it. And uh, mm -hmm. that was, yeah. and it's, it's crazy when you think about that, because I think what it is, is, is God has a good idea right god has a good concept he he gives us something and he says this is good you should obey mm -hmm. it you should do it and then we get a hold of it and think okay well i can make it even better but we, and then we screw it up right 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 which is isn't don't we do that with everything we do it a lot right. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know that quote comes from abraham joshua heschel which back i mean he would be the a Jewish equivalent of, I don't know what, who's a Charles Spurgeon, maybe. I don't know. He, he's a, his book on the Sabbath was the 
work that people point to about the Jewish understanding of the Sabbath. So I'll have that in mm-hmm. the, but he understood it. I'll give him that for sure. Yeah. And, and it is really the both world. You know, when we've been talking about the Sabbath um, in, in my congregation, and as I've been preparing to do a sermon on rest, it's, it's kind of an interesting concept when we look at it. And you say in here that the Jews understood God to be outside of time and space and were given the Sabbath day to remember that God was not contained by nature. So when they were commanded to keep the Sabbath holy, and that comes from Genesis 2, 3, that, you know, God rested. And so everybody else should rest, but it's not, I think we misunderstand what that rest is. It's not, it's not resting just, you know, hanging out by the lake with your cup of coffee and doing nothing all day, but it's resting in what God has already done. It's resting in what God has created. Um, and it's, and it's taking our rest in that. Um, and we, um, hopefully we'll get into some conversation a little bit here, um, in the next couple of sections that really talk about what that is and why we can rest in Jesus and, and what Jesus has accomplished. Um, Because your last sentence here is Jesus leaves no doubt that God's law was to lead to healing, liberty, and love among humankind. Right. So what you said there is important. Like the Sabbath is kind of the foundational uh, item, the whatever, of the rest of those laws in Leviticus where you Mm -hmm. have the year where the farmland is supposed to have its you know, every seventh year, the farmland don't, don't overdo that, Mm -hmm. you know, or the 50th year of the Jubilee. Um, it, the whole purpose of it was about fellowship and healing and, and rest. I mean, that was the purpose Mm -hmm. of it and to build up things. Yes. Yeah. So you, you give us this good discussion question at the end of this, which I really wanted to hit. You said, what are some things that distinguish Christianity from other religions? And how do we ensure those distinctions are kept alive? Because the Sabbath was really, that's a Jewish, um, out of the Judaism. But as, as the Christian religion, what are some things that you all think um, that distinguish us from other religions? I'll let someone else go first. Logan. <laughs> well, I was going to be polite and let Chris go first. <laughs> but, um, you know, if you're going to throw the ball in my court, I might as well take it and miss the shot um but i would say the i would say the biggest thing is like the exclusivity of jesus um like the whole story of the whole story of the christian religion is unique and fascinating you know god comes to earth as a man to redeem mankind like and i know you got the pagans who say that we stole that whole concept from egypt and you know some egyptian god came down and lived as a human being and all that stuff but what makes christianity unique and separate apart from that other than the fact that our story is true and theirs isn't (laughs) is the fact that jesus actually goes to the cross and he takes our sins and our failures and our attempts to live without god he takes the the punishment for those upon himself right and you don't have that right. in, in the whole pagan Egyptian story. You've got, you've got the, the Egyptian, if I've, got, if I've got the narrative correct, you've got that Egyptian god coming to earth to live as a man, to show them how to live. Um, 
but Jesus does more than just show us how to live. He actually mm -hmm. takes our sin and our guilt upon himself. And I think that's the biggest thing that makes Christianity unique is we trust, uh, we trust in a God who comes to save us. And the way he saves us is by, is by taking our failure and sin upon himself. And mm -hmm. then he comes and shows us how to live, uh, how, how to live and how to pursue God uh, in life. I think what you'll find, and I think this is what Logan was saying, grace is, is a concept that is only found in the Christian religion. Mm -hmm. and there's forgiveness, you know, you're supposed to forgive people. I mean, Buddhism has some, some thoughts on forgiveness and, and, and whatnot, but grace, the, the uh, not only if you're forgiven, but you're justified by this mm -hmm. deity or whatnot. Mm -hmm. That's completely um, Christ-centric if you will, there's, there's nothing else like it. And it's also, um, I think that is the, that is still the, that is the important distinctive. Like even in our world today, when we do live in a culture in which when you do something wrong, you're roasted and you're, you're, you're shipped off. Like, you know, how many preachers right. said something and they're done, or somebody says something on Twitter or whatnot, and they're done. Uh, right. And there's no mechanism of forgiveness or grace, even in our culture today. And so I do think Christianity still stands out as the mm -hmm. best system of belief and practice because it offers grace and transformation. Mm -hmm. and that's there, You know, we cancel culture is really awful in our culture, right? Yeah. Can, the biggest thing about cancel culture is, you know, once they find that that tweet you made years ago, you're done, like Chris said. Um, okay, but hold up one, one moment, Logan. Explain what cancel culture is, because I know there's a lot of people that are going to be watching this that are be like, I have no idea what you're saying. Okay, so cancel culture, basically, whenever a celebrity, uh, sometimes people will go back and they'll go through old celebrity tweets or whatever. Like the biggest example I can think of is, um, you know, that guy who won a bunch of games on Jeopardy and like he, he's the guy who won the most, uh, he's the one guy who won the most money on Jeopardy. I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but he's now the guy who's going to actually host Jeopardy. Ken but, Holland. Yeah. Him. Yeah. So, um, someone, when, I guess they went through his Twitter feed or something. I don't know, but they found an old tweet that he made in like 2011, 2012, something like that. It was kind of derogatory, but I, I don't know. It, it, was, it was kind of derogatory, but they went back and found that old tweet and they tried to shame him for it mm. and said, oh, you can't let this guy host Jeopardy. And it wasn't terribly derogatory. It was like mm -hmm. it was like PG-13 at the worst. But uh, they said, oh, you can't let this guy host Jeopardy because he said this nine years ago. And he's and he said, you know, I'm not that guy anymore. He apologized and stuff. Um, and I guess everything's good. But there's a lot of people who are still angry about it. And it's not enough that he apologized. They want to completely cancel him and censor him. And they don't mm -hmm. want him to have any part of jeopardy or anything like mm -hmm. that because of this one tweet that he made nine years ago and so that's that's an that's an example of cancel culture and people go through this all the time um and there's no forgiveness within cancel culture right there's no point right. at which someone can be forgiven even if they apologize even if they you know uh, it's like they have to be it's like they have to be re-educated or whatever um 
and so you and and of course that's connected to that that's connected to you know a bunch of things like um i'm not going to get into it but <laughs> suffice it to say i still the, the, it, it still remains the distinctive part of christianity that you offer forgiveness yeah. and then right yes how do you ensure those distinctions are kept alive is that you don't get caught up in just being mad all the time and having to be right right all the time like you you can have your your rightness yes but like allow people a journey that they're coming closer to god and then allow people when they say i'm sorry then good enough let's go on to right. something else that is a distinctive of christianity that um i think we can hold out and we should amen amen and we should you're correct yeah digging deeper let's jump into that let's dig deeper into this topic chris <laughs> all right so the digging deeper section um of course, we're talking about the, the Sabbath day. I get in deeper than I'm going to get into talking. The, the thing that I wanted to get really into, at least talking today, was that the fact that there is something about the Sabbath in which God blessed, right? So God blessed it on the seventh day, made it holy. And then the when we participate in the institution of the Sabbath, we're blessed in doing it. And so, mm -hmm. and I guess what I'm trying to say here, the, the best uh, illustration that I can come up with is that I teach a, a class, a world religions class at a local community college. Usually I have 12, 13 people in it. Um, eight of them maybe are somewhat knowledgeable of the Christian faith. Three of them are Christians, you know, and the rest of them are like religion stinks. <laughs> Why are you in my class? Anyway, uh, but one of the assignments is for two weeks, you practice a Sabbath, right? It could be you, they pick what the Sabbath is, Sabbath from social media, maybe it's actual Sabbath day in which they simply rest and, and allow others to rest and so on and so forth. And I've never had a student say this was a waste of my time. I'll put it that way, you know, in mm -hmm. three years or whatnot, every single student has been like, that was beneficial to me. I'm going to start doing that again. And so mm -hmm. what I, what I realized that in the blessing of the Sabbath, God made it a thing to where if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Jew, but you practice this, there's blessings that come along with it. It's a health thing. It's a way, it's a way for you to get away from the stress of, of the times. It's a way to reprioritize your life to things that are good and reorient yourself to the sacredness of time. It's a way of, like I said, organizing your day or whatnot. But the thing about the Sabbath was it was for everybody. And so in right. the Sabbath commandments in scripture, um, it's not only the Jewish people, but it's the Jewish people and the aliens among them. It's not mm -hmm. only just the aliens among them. It's for the, it's for the animals that are used to harvest the field. It's not only just that, it's that every seventh year, a land gets rest too. And so it, it's a, it's a, it's a way of saying uh, humans and materials in this world have dignity and they deserve rest and dignity. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you said uh, towards the end of this, um, you know, you really broke it out into in three different words that are in that subject, but you said the Sabbath was meant to be a blessed, holy, joyful day that allowed for the healing of humankind of, and creation. And instead it became a dead ritual and a symbol of hypocrisy. 
Um, the other thing that I'd said in there, and it's a good illustration, y'all have probably done this before too. If you have children, you've made your children clean absolutely everything. If you got grandma or grandpa coming over or whatever, if you have, you know, dinner one night with friends, your house is going to be spotless because number one, you don't want to look like a slob. But then number two, you try to get everything done so that when those people arrive, you can give them your attention. And so that's mm -hmm. essentially, I think, in the, in the creation story, what God was trying to do. Well, in a way, everything was created absolutely perfect, waiting for this one creation of humankind, the greatest mm -hmm. creation, the special creation. Everything was done beforehand, and then humans are created, and then they walk with God in the garden. And, and so there was this rest of the work has been done. Now let me enjoy every aspect of this creation. And I'm inviting mm -hmm. these special creations, these humans, to be part of this because this be is really important to me. Right, right. So that, that really kind of runs into your discussion questions that you had on this section was, do you consider the Sunday, do you consider Sunday the Christian Sabbath? Yeah, lots, lots of folks do. I think most of Reformed theology actually did. There's some. Right. Sabbath, yeah. Uh, but then you have things like, uh, is it the Jehovah's Witness and then Seventh-day Adventist and Seventh-day Adventist, yeah. Some of the other ones that still worship on Saturday. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, like, the truth is, at least in my studies or whatnot, the Sabbath is Saturday. It's just mm -hmm. what it is. But Sunday is the resurrection day, right? And, and then Paul messes everything up when he says, who, one day over another, who cares? Worship God, right? Like, all days <laughs> right. are good. Um, but again, I still think, like, I guess I'm a legalist in some sense that <laughs> I'm not legal and legalistic enough to actually practice it every week. <laughs> I'm legalistic enough to think that you should. Uh, but I think there's something about just observing the Sabbath. Now, whether it's as a principle, right. one out of seven days, or whether it's on Saturday or whether it's on Sunday, I don't care. But I do think there is an acknowledgement that there is a ritual that God has blessed. And that if you practice it, you receive benefit at the very right. a better schedule and more rest, right? right? So, yeah. So, what are some ways yeah. that we can practice the Sabbath? By Logan, well, what are... <laughs> well, for me personally, um, after after Sunday morning, I'm done. Like I don't. After Sunday morning, I, I might go. Me and my wife might go out to eat, but. I am done and I take two days for Sabbath. Like maybe I'm just lazy, but like I take the rest of Sunday, all of Monday and the first part right. of Tuesday. Like after Sunday morning, I'm done and I don't start working on anything else until, until Tuesday afternoon. Gotcha. And, and I just, uh, I just relax. I, I, I get some reading done, like reading that I'm not doing for sermon prep. Mm -hmm. I get some reading. Some personal done. devotional time. Yeah, I do personal devotional yep. time. I might go to church somewhere else on Sunday night because my church doesn't have a Sunday night service. So I like going mm -hmm. every once in a while to another church and just hearing someone else preach and pour into me mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I don't I don't get that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and being and listening to sermons online is good, and I do that too. I do that a lot, but it's not right. the same as being able to go to a church and sit there yourself and mm -hmm. just enjoy someone else preaching. Mm -hmm. um, so I do that sometimes. I don't do it every week, but I do it sometimes. And I make sure I make sure I get rest and I make sure I, I read and study and pray and 
do all that do all that holy stuff <laughs> so yeah like you said okay so i mean just the sabbath itself isn't just laying around for no purpose if you, you right it is restorative but it's also to be in connection uh, with god that's the important part of sabbath or connection with other human beings it's mm-hmm. it, it's recreation time and when i say recreation it's the recreation time really is what it is and so mm-hmm. what activities that you do are truly supposed to recreate like replenish to you know it, it needs to be somewhat person persif- purposeful in yes in what you're doing uh, one of the yeah. things that i do on sabbath is i read fiction books because I spend six days reading theology books or whatever else. And so like, I got, I don't know, maybe I'll get in trouble for this one or not, but that's how I got the Harry Potter series done. Right. It was my Sabbath. <laughs> I mean, you just read. first you do an intro about drinking and now you're reading Harry Potter. Like, right. man, this, this whole thing, we're, we're just a bunch of liberals and this whole thing's right. going downhill. We're going downhill, but, but it, so like in some sense, it's the way I let my mind reimagine. I mean, like you can only read so much John Calvin before you start talking like, what's the teacher off of Ferris Bueller? Bueller. <laughs> you know, sometimes you have, to, right. you have to reinvigorate. Poetry is another thing that I do yeah. on Sabbath. I have a poetry book that I bought. Well, I had to buy in seventh grade, 101 Most Famous Poems. Still have that book 20 some odd years later. Um, and I, wow. I'll go through it and read it uh, because I... it. It helps my imagination, right? And it helps right. me to, it just helps me. I like it. Right. Dude, if you, if you like poetry, read some Wendell Berry. I have. So, yeah. yeah. So, it's, so the Sabbath then is about resting again, going back to what I said in the very beginning. It's resting in what God has done and, yeah. and recreating ourselves with that, you know, reinvigorating ourselves and understanding that what God has done and that we are part of his creation and we should dignify and bless yeah. other people in his creation. I think so. So I think on this, so like what God has done so far as the creation and giving us sustenance and all that good jazz, trusting that he's mm-hmm. going to provide for us if we stop working and Logan or Becky, if you stop trying to save the world for a 24 hour period, it's hours. still going to be there, right? Like, amen. Praise God. <laughs> But I think it's in that next section, that learning from the scripture, where we find yeah. that there's a theological. So there's the Sabbath is at two, two levels. It's one, it's just simply being a created being yeah. that we, we receive a blessing from getting recreated. But then there's a theological level two that mm-hmm. we rest in what God's already done. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Right. If we're there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think we are there. Logan, oh, do you have so anything else on the, on the digging deeper before we jump into the learnings from the scriptures? Um, not, not really. Um, okay. You know, in the discussion question, you brought up blue laws. And that's, by, oh, the, way, yeah. that's still, by the way, that's still a thing in Arkansas. I was going to say, a lot of Southern states still have some blue laws. And I don't know if children even know what that is. Like, if you're even my age, I don't even know if people know what blue laws are in some places. It really irritates me that I can't go and get a beer to relax on Sunday evenings. Right. If you're depending on where you're at, can't do it. Like, and again, that's going to get us in trouble, by the way. <laughs> there's a lot, of, there's a lot of places to where blue laws are still around. So like, yes. our, yeah. um, they really are. 
one of my elders used to talk about um, when he was a kid watching baseball games, baseball games couldn't start until after church, right? Like you just, it wouldn't, you couldn't do it. You couldn't play, you had to play the Sunday night baseball game, which is why it became so uh, popular was because you couldn't do it during church times. So anyway, uh, there was just a mm-hmm. um, general feeling of you couldn't do things on Sundays and it was mm-hmm. for the Sabbath reason. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think in our culture, we've really kind of, we've lost that. We um, have. And some people say it's know. good and some people say it isn't. Right. So, right. um, right just kind of depends on where you're coming from. I, right. But it all goes back to that being blessed, you know, that God blessed that day for a reason. And, and, and like you said, with your students that they have been blessed because they have participated in the Sabbath. And I know for me personally, when I really consciously make this day a Sabbath day, I'm always blessed. Um, you know, so there's, I think there's a reason there's a reason for that because God blessed it to begin with. Yeah. And in like today's world though, too, to give it some thought there, I mean, like it's a different world. It's a 24 mm-hmm. seven. It it's not an agrarian society. Yeah. People um, have to work and you can work certain times and whatnot, but mm-hmm. the principle I think is what we have to. So yes. blue laws don't necessarily work on Sundays now because how much of your economy runs on Sunday on a Sunday. Yeah, and, absolutely. Then people got to work. People got to feed right. their kids. But the principle can still be there. And right. it should be. So like, that's the other thing about the Sabbath. Before we move on from that, it's really important. It's the Sabbath at, at the most. If you're if you were an agrarian society, you could get a lot of work done on Sunday. It makes absolutely no sense if you have slaves to say, we're not working on Sunday. No sense whatsoever. If, if your job is to bring in the harvest. Right. But God says that's not what it's about. And so even right. today, the principle applies with the Sabbath, you know, to say you can't, I mean, there's a, there's a reason why you have work limits as well. Like you can't uh, take advantage of everybody. So there, it still remains in some sense in, in society that mm-hmm. the, the principles still remain and probably mm-hmm. should. Mm-hmm. With you. All right. Learning from the scripture. Let's get into that theology part of this. Um, I, I, I've talked too much already. So what I'm going to say is, is that from what the guy that I quoted that Abraham Joshua Heschel talks about it, the Sabbath, mm-hmm. he, remember he's a rabbi, he's a Jewish person. So he doesn't connect it with Jesus Christ. But what he does do is connect the Sabbath that we practice on earth to the Sabbath that can be practiced in heaven. What we would do mm-hmm. as Christians to say, and, and the book of Hebrews is probably the best way of doing this when, um, the Hebrew writer says, so then a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors as God did from his. And the point being is, is that, as we've said, there's no works. There's nothing we can merit. There's nothing we can do that will make God love us more except have faith in Jesus Christ. He is the work. He is our salvation. There's nothing that we can do to earn favor. And so then ultimately, theologically, from a Christian person, the Sabbath was training us to understand Jesus Christ and the work that Jesus did. And so we find our Sabbath rest ultimately and eternally in the work of Jesus Christ, much like Mm -hmm. the Jews would have found um, community and presence and rest in in what God did on the seventh day 
but the six days of work, God created all these things. And so mm-hmm. that's the second level for Christian people. The Sabbath is the ultimate work of Christ and we rest in him. Mm-hmm. Again, it's that resting. It's resting in what Jesus has already done, understanding that there's nothing that we can do. No work. And it's nothing that we have done. It's all about what, what Jesus has done. And it's resting in that assurance of what Christ has done for us. Um, I think Logan last week, it was last week or two weeks ago, you talked about John chapter six, where the people ask, what works can we do to do the works of God? And the response to Jesus or from Jesus was what? This This is the work that you believe. Yeah. That you believe. That you believe. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you say that really well in this section, because you say the true blessing of the Sabbath is to rest in the presence of God and allow others to rest in the presence of God. Yeah. And, and so there's a, again, the Christian Sabbath is awesome in this sense. It's, mm-hmm. it's the rest to your body. It's the rest to your souls. It's your salvation. And that's the mm-hmm. best picture of it. It's, it's really mm-hmm. kind of nice in that way. It, it really is kind of nice in that. And um, I love how you point out that it's countercultural, that it's totally, it's totally countercultural um it's the antidote for our busyness you say it's the antidote for how we exploit people and materials (sighs) yes yes and i think it's really important i'm just i'm going to throw this out here because this is a pet peeve of mine you know i I have some people that joke that they appreciate that we get out at like 11 45 because they can get to the restaurant faster than the baptist (laughs) down the street you know they make it there first and so they don't have to wait in line at cracker um, barrel is packed with baptist and you i have am to get telling you what cracker barrel cross street is the hopping place on sunday mornings um and as as somebody who's worked restaurant and i know i know chris you have worked restaurant logan you've worked retail so you understand <sighs> people that are listening i want to really point this out to you because this is a huge pet peeve is, is people that come into church that are all excited about being there at church, about worshiping God, about resting in him on that day, then turn around and go to the restaurant and are the rudest, most arrogant, demanding people. Um, and when I worked restaurant, there was nobody that I had that worked on my staff that wanted to work on Sundays. They did it because they had to, not because they wanted to be there. So if you are listening today, and remembering that that Sunday is is our Sabbath. It's it's the day that we rest in what God has done and how we should be blessing other people. Please bless other people at the restaurant when you go to get dinner. <laughs> yeah, so that that is true because like the purpose of the Sabbath is to show compassion. Remember that. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, like there there are some folks who uh, some folks in the Reformed camp, like the really Reformed camp. Like they don't go to eat on Sunday. They don't do anything on Sunday. Right. They, they prep all their food the day before and then they mm-hmm. just warm it up the next day. And so I'm not going to say that you can't go out and enjoy a meal on Sunday because I love to do that. But if you're right. going to do that, uh, make sure you're nice to folks. Make sure you tip well. Um, my wife always uh, my wife always accuses me of being a cheapskate on the tip. And like I'll leave a tip and then she'll go back behind me and leave more money. <laughs> if she doesn't, if she didn't think I left enough. So, uh, you know, 
be Jesus to folks if you're going to go out to yeah. eat on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I think, Chris, you, you touched on this before that that the Sabbath is not just for us. It's it's resting in the, the understanding of who Jesus is, but it's it's blessing. It's being able. And I think you I don't remember what section you did that in, but you were talking about. Um, well, actually, that's in the applying scripture. It's the next section that you talk about how um, traditionally it was serving people. Right. And, 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 and understanding that all of humanity, and that was the big thing about Jesus and the Sabbath, was that it was not just exclusive to the Jews anymore, that it was, it was for all of humanity. It was for everyone. Um, and, and that's something that we need to remember, that we are blessed to be a blessing to others, yeah. that it's for everyone that we should be treating, cre- treating, I can't say that word today, treating all of God's creation with dignity. Yeah. So Logan brought that up. I mean, like I had some folks in the Margaret Hank church that wouldn't go out to eat on Sundays and it was for them. It was the, don't make your ox, you know, work, right? Right. Don't be the okay. cop of somebody else working on a Sabbath day. Um, and again, that's, that's on how you, but, but it is a blessing, right? And, and the point is to be a blessing. And then Jesus has that, uh, you know, wouldn't you pull an ox out of a ditch on Sundays, mm-hmm. right? If that's your livelihood, you have to be about that in some way. You know, if you lost an ox, you'd lose security. You would use, you would right. lose financial security and these kinds of things. People are going to have to work. Well, and I think even the Westminster Confession, Westminster Confession of Faith allows for uh, works of necessity on the Sabbath. Right. And and, uh, and, I, and I know we're com- I know we're Cumberland Presbyterian. We don't go by Westminster, but our confession is based on Westminster, and so right. that's right. That's our grandfather, and you need to honor it. <laughs> right. Now, I mean, it, like I said, the principle I think is I don't think again we're not an agrarian society. We're also not an ethnically uh, pure society, and I don't think that's mm-hmm. the point of it either. I mean, it's just easier to do rules when everybody's the same, <laughs> right? right? And we're not, I mean, it's just easier. It doesn't matter right. what you're doing. Not. When you are the church being as broad as it is, they kind of settled this. I did bring that up, I think, digging deeper. Like the day uh, on, in Acts 15, I guess, when they laid down, this is the things that the Gentiles should do. It had nothing to do with the Sabbath. Um, and then again, Paul says, one day's not any more special than another day, just worship. Um, so, but again, the principle certainly remains in Christianity. Um, mm-hmm. And it is to be compassionate and to mm-hmm. allow other people. And I guess that's the awesome thing about the Sabbath too, is everybody will claim their time because everybody wants to take care of themselves. But the other part of the Sabbath is, is that you have to give it to others. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's kind of hard sometimes because you want people yeah. to... I don't know, like, uh, if I had to do this, like, um, tech support sometimes. When I can't get them on Sunday, it irritates me so much. I'm like, why? This is 2021. Shouldn't people work 24-7 when I need a problem fixed? Anyway. Right. Oh, don't tell me tech support done got saved. Oh, boy. <laughs> It is what it oh is. Oh boy. But I think that leads us then to the applying the scripture. Part. It does. Um, and and so like in some of the old churches, the reformed churches or whatnot, like that was Sunday was a day, they understood it as a day of Sabbath. Most Presbyterians mm-hmm. did for a very long time. 
they understood it as a Christian Sabbath, but they didn't just not work or not do things, but they did things right. that, that connected them with God and with other people. So a lot of times that's when the elders would take the communion uh, to, to the shut-in homes or to homes. That's when, you know, the, the, maybe the women's group of the church would create, you know, make dinners for those who didn't have dinners and so on and so forth. It was, it was a day in which you, you played in a, as a community together, like it was a farming mm-hmm. community. They all worked hard six days a week. That seventh day was going to be with people playing. It would be like kickball. You'd have some kickball going on and you would just joy right. the fellowship of God and with, um, with God's family. Well, it's also historically why a lot of Presbyterian churches at one time had Sunday night services. Like there's a lot of churches now that have Sunday night services, but it's just, well, that's just how we've always done it. No, there was an actual theological reason for having Sunday night services. Mm -hmm. You began the day with worship, you rested, and you ended the day with worship. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't just you're going to church on Sunday night because this is what you've always Mm -hmm. done. There were reasons Mm -hmm. for it. Right. And thinking back historically, you know, as we're approaching denominational Sunday, about the time frame in which our denomination was created, that a lot of the people that came to worship had to come some distance. That wasn't just like, you know, we forget that today we can jump in a car and be there in five minutes. You know, they had to, to get their horse and carriage ready to go and pack their things for the day. And so they spent the day together. You know, a lot of times you had meals after services and you would stay and maybe you had a traveling preacher that was coming through that you really only got to worship maybe one Sunday out of the month or, you know, two Sundays out of the month. And so you made the day of it. You made that an entire day event of fellowship and communing together where you had morning and evening and then shared meal during during the daytime. Um, you know, and we forget that that's, that was the purpose was that fellowship um, was being able to commune together and bless each other through that activity. Yeah. So what are some things, um, you know, you asked some a really good question at the end about some Sabbath activities, things that we can do because we're not an agrarian society, right? Because so we're in 2021. For, what are some um, things? It'll be different for every church or for every person, depending on your context or whatnot. But like, uh, so I was not real good at visiting people as a pastor. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a theology nerd, right? I like to write and read and I'm an introvert and all that jazz. Um, right. And, you know, people have their strengths. Pray for life. me. Uh, yeah. So one thing I tried to do was to make Sunday... After I read that and studied up, I made Sunday just a drop in on folks day. Um, I took mm-hmm. communion to people on Sunday afternoons and it didn't have to be the first day of the month because we all did communion. It was just sometimes I mean, just when I could get to people or whatnot, I, I would share communion with folks. Um, actually, one thing that I did that even still today, there was in the Margaret Hank church, we had a lot of kids that just in the category of they didn't eat unless they were at school, right? Because parents were, yeah. uh, there was probably three years straight that nine kids came home with me and Amy and our kids and ate, ate lunch at our house. I mean, like we would cook, you know, 25 hamburgers. Um, but it was a Sabbath activity and it mm-hmm. caused a little work, but it was a joyful Sabbath activity. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point, Logan. Well, um, you know, it's it, like Chris said, it's different. It's going to be different for everyone. Um, typically what I do is I told you what I do. I just make sure that I'm resting up and uh, I, I tend if I if I reach out to folks throughout the week, I do it on one of those other days. But my wife and I, one of the things we've been doing lately is we've been listening to a sermon together. Um, on Sunday mornings, we'll wake up probably around uh, seven or eight. And then first thing we do is we'll go in the living room and before we set up for live streaming, since we're not having services right now, before we set up for live stream, I'll turn on a sermon from somebody. Lately, it's been Armin Thomason. And we'll listen to Armin Thomason preach. And we'll just sit there and absorb that. Because as a pastor, it's really, it's as a pastor, it's really hard to get fed, you know, because you, you've got to do a lot of the, the research and the, you got to do a lot of sermon prep for your people. Mm -hmm. And you get some out and you get some out of that and you should get some, something out of that, but it's not the same as, as being fed. Right. Um, so, you know, it's like if you're cooking for, it's like if you're cooking for 20 people, yeah, you're going to eat too. But some, sometimes you just like to just be fed. And so we, we've been listening to uh, Armin Thomason from uh, uh, Faith Free Presbyterian Church in, in South Carolina. He's a fantastic preacher. Hmm. That's, that's a good, that's a good, yeah, it's important to be fed and to fill yourself back up. Reverend Zarty, I, I what do you yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Um, cause Sundays for me, you know, because, um, well up until winter time, we did have Sunday morning and Sunday night because I serve two churches. I have two services in the morning and then I would have one service in the evening. And a lot of times we would have session meetings and stuff, um, after church. So Sundays were usually pretty busy. Um, but, uh, it is, it is about, I love how you put it again, that it's, the promotion of fellowship, healing, joy, and rest. And so we find ways to serve others, um, whether it is visiting our shut-ins, um, taking communion to them, um, or just enjoying a good, you know, COVID, um, enjoying a good phone conversation. Because a lot of my folks that are shut-in um, are not comfortable with me coming to visit in home and I totally respect that. So it's, it's a good conversation. Um, another thing that I have done lately because of COVID is my people that are shut-ins that don't have access to technology. I'm sure you all have some people in your congregations that have no technology um, access whatsoever is I write out my sermons and mail it to them. Um, and so that's one of my joys um, that I, I try to take a lot of joy in is being able to still keep my people connected in a time that they can't be physically connected. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sharing that fellowship in ways that uh, I never anticipated I would share fellowship with. So <laughs> that's a tough one. That's what a lot of churches yeah. are struggling with. How do you do the fellowship? I mean, because fellowship is part of Sabbath. Yes, very much. Very part. much. Yeah. Well, that's, that's all I've got. Um, I hope, I hope we help some people this week understand that Sabbath is really resting in resting in what Jesus has already done. I yeah. would just go up. I've fallen in love with the Sabbath. And again, that's one of those things. I think I'm on a 
lifelong journey to understand more. But when you, it's like circumcision. There is absolutely no reason in the world why the Sabbath would have been practiced by humans. There's no intuitive thing that just says we should have a Sabbath. And so it's one of those things that I think um, on a uh, personal level makes me believe that this whole Christianity Judaism thing was from above and not below because it, it makes no sense, but it's also vital. And so many people benefit from the practice of it. It's, I think it's super. It is super important. So everybody go this week, enjoy your Sabbath and and bless others as you have been blessed. Thank you all very much again. Thank you, Logan. Thank you, Rebecca. Next week we start, y'all are done with me. I, y'all, y'all can't, crit- nobody can criticize my writing for like two, <laughs> three months now. So, um, and, and I don't have to talk so much, but uh, thank y'all for using the encounter. Had some uh, good talks with a couple of our churches and we've picked up some churches that are using the encounter now. Had a interaction with one pastor that just said, this has made my life easier. And so I still encourage you all to, um, um, you know, if you know some pastors that haven't use the encounter their churches hadn't used the encounter um for a long time reach out to them and say hey this is a good resource and um we'll be there to help you fulfill any information that you need or questions to ask but god bless you all and we'll see you again next week bye guys